you see those fools at the back of the class They don't care about grades or if they fail or pass They ain't here to learn, they're just here for laughs The day you're home will just tear it in half If you want blood, you got it You trap a keeper, I'll on it Give me a crap, I'll blot it This ain't the tension, baby, this is the The audit is brought to you by The Lever, a reader-supported investigative news outlet. You can go to levernews.com to find all of their reporting. You can also subscribe to Lever News weekly news podcast, Lever Time, which is available on all major podcast players. If you'd like to support this show, head over to levernews.com slash audit to become a paid supporter. Basically, The Lever built its own version of Patreon, and they even cut out the middleman. And this is how it works. When you become a paid supporter, part of that money goes to the creative team at the audit, and part of that money goes to the lever. So not only are you supporting this show, but you'll be directly supporting the lever's independent journalism. Audit supporters will get expanded episodes of the audit and every single episode of the new series in advance, the day the first episode drops. On top of that, each of our supporters will also get access to the Lever's premium content, including their exclusive newsletters, private podcast feed, ebooks, and live events. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can find the audit's tip jar at levernews slash audit and leave us a tip. Yeah, so so yeah, let's just jump in. We're we're uh, we're plowing through these. We're um, up to a chapter, chapter ten, the campaign message, which. Um, I gotta say, I, I love this one. Uh, I love this one a lot. Some of these are pretty dull. You gotta admit yeah. this, right? At this point, like I've just yes. sort of like breezed through some of them, but, but, um, I, this is- I, I actually think if you're, if you're looking to get into campaign work, the, the detail they go into is probably interesting for a lot of people, but man, does it bore me to yeah. death? Yeah. And, and if but, you're already in the business, like for me, I, I mean... Like, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but there's something. I mean, I I had hoped. I don't know. I mean, this is maybe self-serving or something. But you know, I do this this movie podcast with Joe Dante. Dave, Dave's been on it. Uh, it's called The Movies That Made Me, and it's it's you know the, me and this this legendary director, and we have guests on who are generally people in the film business in some capacity, directors, actors, you name it, and they talk about their favorite films. And one of the things that we've learned over the years of doing it is people love the fact that it's people in the business talking about the movies the way they do with other filmmakers and and i understand how like you know when i was a kid we didn't have the internet we didn't have access to that that you know the opportunity to listen to people who are doing a thing you're interested in talking to each other is is you know i think it's an amazing thing and then and then i watch this and i feel like yeah i'm getting i'm getting a sort of rudimentary education but at no point uh, I would much rather, honestly, I'd much rather listen to these two guys break open a bottle, sit in front of a fire, and tell war stories. I think that would be pretty interesting. You know? Yeah, yeah. that might be. It would have been nice if they had a diversified the, you know, why not have a, a woman of color paired with one of those two? I think that may have been an interesting mix. Yeah, but, but I mean... you know. <laughs> 
with you're gonna you're gonna get a black woman to go on a thing with Carl what, Rove. What? Like, who, what yeah. woman of color wants to sit next to Carl Rove? You acted. I'm, I'm just. You want to hang out? You know, ain't gotta be in love, but I mean, it would have spiced it up. <laughs> oh, it definitely spiced it up. <laughs> we, we just speed dating, not love, yeah. not falling in love, but. Yeah. But let's let's go. So this is Carl Rove. I love in some of these, it's the two of them on their own. But this one, they're they're together, and Carl Rove isn't just saying this in front of a camera crew. He's saying this with David Axelrod in the shot, just looking at him thoughtfully. That's that's the thing. It's like it's one thing to be able to sort of like just say absolute bullshit. It's another when you're like somebody who knows you're full of shit is staring at you. That takes a certain kind of something. I think check check this out. There's got to be at least some point at which you compare yourself with your opponent. But it, this is where campaigns get uh, really in difficulty because they do, in my opinion, too little of the definitional advertising, both biographical and, uh, and, and explanation of what it is that they want to do. And when they start to do the comparative or the negative, they go over the line. This is really dangerous territory. For, an, for a comparison to be effective, it has to be considered to be important, relevant, and true. And if it doesn't hit those, it either fails as a message or worse, provides an opportunity for a counterpunch. For somebody that goes over the line all the time. He, he, uh, it's his middle name. Knows what that means. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's just sitting there. And they just did swift voting <laughs> in the last episode. I mean. Yeah, this, swift voting. This, By this his guy. definition, he was honest. I mean. <laughs> I like he the the article I read it basically said like if you corner or if if George W Bush and Karl Rove think that they are out of options they will go nuclear. And that's what they did. They did it against McCain, exactly. they did they did it against Kerry and then he's just sitting here saying this stuff. Yep. And also suggesting sure. that aside from any kind of moral quandaries, it doesn't work when you go over the line, when you exaggerate <laughs> stories about the, I mean, because I'm sure none of us can think of a, uh, a campaign that went south after somebody told a lot of lies about them. Right. I, I, I had no, <laughs> no one that that happened to. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really it were it's so effective. Like it's 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 since the beginning of of time that has been one of the most effective things that you can do. Yeah. It it's just bizarre. I like I don't know I, I mean are they just talking to people here like liberals who just want to believe everything is great? Is that who they who's the audience for this? I think that is the audience there. Yeah. yeah. That's the the, gu it's, the gullible. It's comforting. Or the converted. Yeah. The converted and the gullible. But isn't it? Yeah, it is comforting, of, isn't it? In a weird way, isn't it sort of doing the same thing that that you know a lot of people who ended up watching or rewatching The West Wing uh, during the Trump years found it comforting just to think about a time when politicians and politics was all yeah. done by people who were just so genial that they could reach across the aisle and collaborate yeah. on things and everybody agreed on you know what the goals were, just maybe not how to get there, and and the progressives were idiots. That's the other thing they all agreed on. It's. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's like this makes you feel good to live in the middle of the Trump years. This was recorded in 2018. And to just go, gosh, I remember when politics was like this. <laughs> yeah. It never was, but okay. Yeah. 
It's crazy. Yeah, that's 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 such the wild thing about this is this is this is like American exceptionalism, right? It's it's just a fictional thing that we say, you know, America's for democracy around the world and all that other crap. Like this is just a different version of it about campaigns. It's just yeah. absolute nonsense. It's a blood sport. Like that's what it's a blood sport. Like they will yeah. murder you to get there. Like that's yeah, they will. What, and then they have these two guys. One who I don't know about. I don't know what I think of Axelrod at this point. I I I feel like he just found lightning in a bottle with Obama and didn't really have a lot to do with it. Is, I mean, Obama yeah. is is maybe the most charismatic politician we've ever seen in our lifetimes. And and so that's how he seems to have gotten there. But Robe is a Machiavellian evil monster uh, at a level we rarely actually see like he's he's at water nightmarishly bad uh and so it's very weird to me to watch this <laughs> and, and yeah. to hear what they're saying yeah. But the point that you're making, a lot of people don't know and I think you know especially for a master class and how it's set up. It is set up to be a feel good. Let me give you a little information, make you feel yeah. like you learned something you didn't know. It's not a crossfire kind of thing. It's right. not. So in that it's way, not. both of these guys fulfill the mandate of master class. But going in, especially for a lesson like this, you would have to have some political history and knowledge to be able to call yeah. bullshit every now and then. And a lot of people just don't have that. And then the other point that you and Josh were making, that people do want to feel good. I mean, the damn pandemic and inflation and all, people do want to feel, they want to, they want to yeah. feel good, even though this was done before that. But yeah. still, I think no, but you're right. people want to feel good. Yeah. They, and this is a great way to do it. You can think that there used to be good Republicans and, and these these are the ones well, you want back. These really good well, ones. Let's yeah, go back to, let's, to the eighteen hundreds, you know. Let's talk let's talk about the let's let's talk about the best Republican. Because our good friend David Axelrod is here to remind us of the greatest Republican. Um this Oh god is, damn it. You ready? In a great campaign, there's usually one big framing spot that tells you exactly what that message is, where you have a very clear sense of what the campaign is about. One of the most famous of all time is the Morning of in America spot that Ronald Reagan did. It's morning again in America. Today, more men and women will go to work than ever before in our country's history. With interest rates at about half the record highs of 1980, nearly 2,000 families today will buy new homes more than at any time in the past four years. This afternoon, 6,500 young men and women will be married. And with inflation at less than half of what it was just four years ago, they can look forward with confidence to the future. It's morning again in America. And under the leadership of President Reagan, our country is prouder and stronger and better. Why would we ever want to return to where we were less than four short years ago? The Reagan spot was a classic incumbent re-election spot in a time when people were satisfied with the direction of the country, happy with his performance. He had become president in a time of great economic turmoil. There was progress. 
this spot, put that progress in context and ask the fundamental question, do we want to go back? And remember, Reagan was running against the vice president who had served in the previous administration, Walter Mondale. And so they were framing it clearly as a choice between the past and the future, between policies that were seen as failure to policies that were seen as a success. And I'm waiting. I'm not leaving anything out. I'm waiting for him to go at the end. Of course, that was all bullshit. And he doesn't. Like, where is that? I understand everything he says makes a certain amount of sense. You're like, this is what he was creating. This is what he's tapping into. There were people out there who felt this way. It's bullshit. And he doesn't. And by the way, I'd argue that that's even important for the thesis of the class because it's like, it's probably more important to be able to put out a campaign ad that trades on your belief that everything is great when everything isn't great. <laughs> sure. You know, that's a skill. And he's just going along with it. Again, he's just accepting the message. What progress? What is he talking about? It's also, this is such a great example of how they whitewash just demons, right? Like, this is a guy who put a, a wreath on a Nazi grave after a rabbi who had lost people in the Holocaust begged him not to. Like, th that's, that's, that's who he is. This, is. this is the guy who obliterated our, our you know, our sa social safety net. He he did he did so many destructive things, and then you just act, <laughs> you just act, you know, well, I did a good ad. <laughs> like, like I just don't know what to say to this kind of crap. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I get it, it's masterclass. You're talking about this, but you can you can actually find an ad, David Axelrod, from your side. Yeah, you can find an ad from a Democrat that does this. By the way, yeah. And then maybe talk about I why mean, it didn't work. Yeah, I mean, there was no, they were very much in lockstep with one another. There was no push or pull factor happening in this conversation. And just even thinking about the air traffic controllers who Reagan destroyed forever. And it was, the sure. you know, the beginning of the obliteration of labor unions. And labor unions are trying to crawl, crawl, crawl their way back even to this very moment because of some of the stuff that that Reagan did. So you're right, he could have used different ads. Or and, and hindsight is 2020, so he does have the benefit of hindsight. So it's not like he's doing yeah. this in a vacuum where he doesn't know right. what ultimately happened, what Reagan ultimately did. Yeah. It, yeah. it just makes no sense to me. Yeah, and how do they not, I, I always think about this. Were we talking about this last time? I had this amazing ninth grade English teacher. She'd be in jail if she were working a day. I mean, she turned me on to the, the books that made me want to be a writer, which were all, you know, deeply uh, problematic, I would say, by contemporary standards. And and I remember her uh, in that first election leading up in, uh, in 1979, leading up to, or in 1980, um, saying to a class full of kids, like, I don't think you understand what's going to happen to this country if, if the Republicans win this one. You're not going to recognize this country when it's done. This is a ninth grade English teacher. And she saw this stuff coming. And how, in retrospect, does someone like Axelrod not see that it, you know, that it happened? It's like, and how are you not commenting yeah. on that? And as they said, there's ways to do it in a thing where you're, it's weird because yes. they're doing this thing that's political, but they can't get too political because they don't want to offend anybody. But he could. He could go, here's an ad the Democrats ran. Let's talk about why it didn't work. Because they're telling the truth or something, you know? Or this is the ad. I admire this ad. This ad serves these purposes. Too bad yeah. it was a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad yeah, he right. didn't live up to it. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. So you can still use it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what yeah. a great ad does is it makes you sort of like they're selling you Morning in America and it makes you look it around does. at like all the disaster and catastrophe around you and go, wow, it's Morning in America. It's like, it works. Yeah, this is beautiful. Talk about why that works. <laughs> you yeah, know? that's right. Um, there's a brief thing I wanted to talk about a little bit in the next chapter, but the, the actual just tells a story about Tom Vilsack, um, whose campaign he worked on, and his friend who was working for the other guy. And... Um, Basically, his buddy at the end of it just makes a joke out of the fact that he, his friend, his candidate stinks. They'll go off and they have a beer. And it's that thing we've talked about before, about how these people just don't believe in anything. And I, I wanted to ask you, Senator Turner, because it, it does feel like it's different. And maybe we're delusional. And maybe asking you is a mistake because you would be part of the machine lying to us about this. But I, I do feel like that there's this thing on the left where... You know, I got a call a couple of years ago. It was a friend of mine. He's a lovely guy. He worked in communications for a very, very conservative Democratic uh, state senator in New York. Um, I'm not going to say anybody's name, so it doesn't matter. And friend's a nice guy. But this is a really, really as conservative as you can get in the Democratic Party. And his boss passed away, and he was looking around for work. And he called me up. I mean, this is how, you know, disconnected he was. Um, he called me up, and he said, hey, do you have any connection to uh, AOC? and her office because I'm looking for work and I didn't and I was thinking perfectly reasonable I guess in most circumstances but the fact that he doesn't understand I do not believe for a minute that AOC is out there looking to hire people like there, there seems to be a different sort of tribe if you will on the left that you don't see advisors to Bernie you don't see people who who advised AOC I don't see you just immediately being sort of filtered back into the mainstream population of DC and then going off to work for some idiot you know and um why i think i know the answer but you know why why is that why why is the left so unacceptable to that crowd whereas you know people who worked in the trump campaign are sitting in the club right now yucking it up with obama people yeah because it's a mirror it's a reflection i mean they have to every time they see us hear us have to deal with the policies that we are pushing it is a reminder that they are failures and that the sleeping giants may awaken because we're saying to them, these people are selling you, they're snake oil salesmen, they don't believe anything that they're saying, and they're not using your power in a way that changes your material conditions. They resent us for that, and that is one of the reasons, in my estimation, that they come so hard against the progressive left, is because mm -hmm. they don't want the sleeping giants to be awakened, and they don't constantly want to be reminded about how much of a failure they actually are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that feels like pretty resonant. I mean, I think Dave and I have had the experience here with people in the business who are all like good good liberals who who got, um, let's say, the, the extremely angry with people like us over the last few years. And, and I think that's it. Mm -hmm. because we're the ones sitting there going, no, um, it's actually a failure and the things you supported. And, and, and there's, there's a way to do that to point out to people that it didn't work without they're somehow personally tied into this, you know? But it's they like, are t personally tied into it, Josh. They are yeah. personally tied into it because if things change materially, if systems, current systems are torn down and new systems are created that are more egalitarian, that have a justice lens, they out of work, they out of business. So for them, this is personal. Oh, no, no, I'm not talking yeah. about in, in, I'm talking about in our business, like in show, but you know, in, in sort of well-to-do liberals oh, everywhere okay. who are like very, yeah. 
you know, they're connected. When, when you point out to them, when you show them something that shows how their, their icons are, have failed and were, in fact, in many cases, frauds, instead of, you know, that like, oh, my God, instead of getting angry with them, they get angry with you. Yeah, no, because I mean, you're shattering their whole worldview. How dare you? Now you're saying that they were taken for fools and nobody wants to think or know yeah. that they were taken for a fool. No, it's always that thing. Like, how you do um, uh, spend any time around con men? Um, you know, I learned this a million years ago working on a project. They'll tell you, like, the, the easiest people to con are the smart ones. Because smart people do not want to ever have to own the fact that they got conned. And, mm. and someone who's pretty dopey will be like, oop, I guess he wrote to me. Fuck that guy. And, you know, but, but I, me, no, no, you didn't fool me. I was on to you from the get go. I support what you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget I did a I did a dollop on um Wells Fargo. Mm. And yeah, uh, and really, you know, the end focused on how Wells Fargo treated the black community, which uh is criminal. Uh just straight up absolutely criminal. Right. And and uh, Obama's, you know, administrator let them get away with it. Let them go. And Nobody a, went to prison. A, a friend of mine, huge Obama supporter, listened to it got to work and this is like a 50 year old man and just started crying because he was literally like everything that I believe is just Been a lie. like he couldn't deny it once all the evidence is in front of him he just couldn't he was like this is just everything I thought about that presidency is not true and yeah like you can get through but it's he he, he would have never listened to that if he wasn't my friend right he would have turned it off, I'm sure, when yeah. I started talking the way I was talking. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. How do you reach those people? I guess sort of on an individual level you do. But uh, just as a, as a group, as a movement, I, I've always wondered about that. Like, how do you get through to sort of... Because I do. I hold on to the belief. I, I think you do, too. Senator Turner, I think that, that at, at their... Decent folks who genuinely believe in the sort of broad stroke ideas that 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 they get all misty about. You know, I always say like they they, they will watch watch roots and cry like babies, and um, not realize how how antithetical that is to most of the policies they support. Um, you know, exactly. they'll watch whether they'll watch the Fred Hampton movie that came out the other year and not get that that movie is talking about yes, you know, structures and, and systems that they support. Jews and, and the Black Messiah. I encourage yeah. anybody if they have not watched it, they should watch it. Yeah, I mean, I was oh, shocked and, that that movie got through the system. It got through because usually it's right. so watered down. And I would say not only watch that movie, but then go and listen to Fred Hampton speak and That's think right. about what that man would have been when he turned thirty Come and on. thirty-five and forty. They literally killed a great leader. Because they knew he was at 19. That's right. He was born one. But getting through to people who are moved by that somehow but still don't make the connection, that's, that's the thing that just always just confounds me. And, and it just seems like it ought to be simple. And it just it feels like I always feel like it's like a Rubik's Cube. You know, you just keep turning and you're going to get it eventually. But I, I, re, I refuse to give up hope. I'm like certain people I'm looking at here. And they're looking at <laughs> Dave Anthony. Um... <laughs> Let's let's talk about something that I think our guest is 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 a is a true like you could be doing a master class in public appearances, um, 
and because I, I have I have never seen anybody just speak to a crowd uh, the way the way you have. Um, you know, you, you could introduce Bernie Sanders and make him seem like a, a great performer. I mean, that was the amazing <laughs> thing. There was still this residue and. Oh, well, I think uh, the billionaires and the trillionaires and blah, blah, blah. And you'd still be like, yeah, you go, because you got everybody so fired up. And um, we're allowed to say that, right? I mean, God, he's a boring speaker. Good God. <laughs> love him. Love him. Oh, he's, that he is not a guy. That's heart. You know, people were he looking. He does. You, know, you can say it. But, you know, I was on a PDA, Progressive Democrats for America, call this past Sunday, and this guy he said, you know, I, I, I always enjoyed you introducing Senator Sanders, but I was also, I was always worried about him having to follow you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very, very much so. Oh, my God. Story, what, what, did we, who was it, Dave? We read something at the time that it was like uh, somebody in the Clinton campaign com complaining about, um, you know, the, how people are just like snowed by these fiery, charismatic speakers and they're not paying attention to their candidate. They're like, you know, and they... They were like, you know, like Bernie Sanders. And, and when you're sitting there and you're like, oh, we're threatened by that guy's charisma. You're, you're, I know, but, folks. but compared to Hillary, he was lightning yeah. in the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he was saying yeah. something. That's the thing. That's, that's it. What it that's what is made he... it so. Not necessarily the presentation, yeah. but what the man was saying. He yeah. was speaking yeah, to the exactly. heart. Exactly. Exactly. And it spoke to how yeah. willing people are to put up with some you know uh, right. less less in, uh, overt entertainment in their politics uh, uh, and of course for the few people who need that we had we had senator nina turner coming out and setting everybody on fire too so but but this that's, was what, that's what made us such a good team that's oh why hell we, yeah. we balanced each other out yes yeah yeah there's a charisma version of jack spratt and his wife i'm not clever enough to figure out what that is but um uh <laughs> You know, but one of them has too much. One of them's got none, and it all works out. But uh, but I thought this section was interesting because there's there's some there's some interesting anecdotes like uh, the, the the one about freezing kids. I th can we talk about that for a minute? <laughs> that, that sent me off. I mean, really, I was done with Alcaraz. So we can you know set this up for folks. The announcement day is in February. It's in Springfield, Illinois. It's seven degrees outside with wind chill, probably minus degrees. And they're going to have this outside. So everything Axelrod said to that point, you know, how you got to find a place that has a symbolic connect, all of that. All, yep. I have no problem with anything that he said. All of that stuff is true. But when Mrs. Obama. The problem was that this announcement was on February 10th. And it turns out it's very cold in Illinois on February 10th. In fact, on that particular day, it was almost zero. I think it was seven degrees, and the wind chill was about zero. This um, occasioned a lot of um, discussion with the campaign. To her credit, Mrs. Obama said, we cannot do this outside. There'll be children there. They're going to get frostbite. Um, and speaking of bite, being a hard-bitten political consultant, uh, I was unmoved by this argument. <laughs> I was unmoved by this argument. <laughs> uh, you mean uh, science, uh, physical humans <laughs> being cold? You're unmoved by reality? <laughs> this is how out of touch these people are. 
So you have Mrs. Obama, and then he goes on to talk about. So we had these heaters and stuff, so that the mm-hmm. the, the candidate, the candidate, Mrs. Obama, candidate. just told you there'll be children, children, there'll be elders. Man, are you out of your damn mind? <laughs> and guess what? They did it anyway. They did it anyway. Did it anyway. That it was a sign. See, you take those kinds of traits from a campaign, and that is a sign that they really, in their heart, I'm not talking about the show. I'm talking mm-hmm. about when it came to substance and the heart of the matter, that they didn't really give a damn. Only thing I'm going to give Axelrod credit for is because he admitted that he was a hard-bitten uh, yeah. consultant, and that didn't move him. It didn't move him that Mrs. Jones or Big Mamas and Big Papas' kids may get frostbite. And he was all celebratory about 20,000 people still showed up. You know what? Just because you got to surmount a hurdle doesn't mean that the hurdle, just because you surmounted the hurdle doesn't mean that the hurdle was not there. Man, that was heartless. Is what it was. And I'm going to tell you something, 20,000 people showed up because this was the first time in a long time that a black candidate, people believe that a black candidate had more than a yes. fighting chance to win. Yes. That's why they showed up. Hell, Mickey Mouse could have been, Mickey Mouse was black. They would have showed up too. It wasn't nothing yeah. that incredible about what they yeah. did to have people showed up. People were clasping onto that hope and that change. Yeah. It's, it's no, also, I mean, that's, that's such an amazing point. Because, yeah, they wouldn't have shown up for just anybody. I mean, it wasn't right. going to happen. This was this was it, historic. And, and you know what? Sometimes you are a beneficiary of timing, and sometimes you are a victim to timing. And they were the beneficiaries of timing because it wasn't like across the decades that black folks didn't try to become president of the United States of America and really were pop on and popping during their time. You know, Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm comes to mind. I think if she had yeah. had social media and some of the tools that we have at our yeah. disposal in the 21st century, had she had those things in the 20th century and some of the norms have changed, she would have been, she could have been running in 2008 and she would have got 20,000 people to show up. So it's nothing so magnanimous about them. It was timing. They were the beneficiaries of timing, and everything just was lining up. But that fool, man, (laughs) you don't care about kids and elders. He's like, what the hell? Forget them. They're going to come, and if they lose a limb or two, so what? Yeah. I mean, he literally said, hey, you know me. I didn't give a shit. That's like, wait, did he just say? I mean, I did. I had to go back on that one and go, did you No, thank God he admitted it. I remember well, it also when shows, it came... Oh, go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. I was going to say it shows what the presidency will be like in a way. We saw that with Biden, uh, with COVID. And I didn't think at the time, I didn't think... I knew I was upset by it, very upset by it. But he, he you know, Sanders was like, we can delay these in-person voting. Um, it was like a Super Tuesday or something. It was a bunch of states at once. And uh, and Biden didn't want to. He wouldn't do it. And so, um, you know, people died. Um, poll workers died because of yes. that choice. People actually died because we decided to ho- hold an in-person election. Um, you could have changed it. You could have actually changed it if you wanted to. You could have had uh, not done it at senior centers, which is where voting was taking place in places like Chicago. You could have just had it at... at uh, where young people are manning the the you don't put the most vulnerable on the front line. But anyway, Biden did that, and he said, "Let's go ahead with it." And now we see his response to COVID is a dystopian capitalist hell nightmare. It's unbelievable what he's doing. And you look back and you go, "Oh, 
and that, that's just if your campaign can't show empathy or empathy. concern for people who are going to be in the cold or people are going to be around COVID, then that's what your presidency is going to be like. I'm, I'm going to push back on one tiny thing. The notion that Joe Biden was going to like, oh, let's not vote where old people go and just go to the neighborhoods that are full of younger people. Um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying why he wouldn't have done that. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, but no, I'm saying like they literally held polling places were in senior centers. Yeah. Like, you know, you didn't have to do yeah. that. And they said it was safe, and they knew good and well it was not safe. But it wasn't. Why the yeah. means justify the ends. They, they didn't give a damn. You know, we suspended our campaign. The irony, the, we were about to have a big rally in Cleveland, Ohio. I was so excited to come full circle. Mm. And oh, yeah. that day of that rally, the governor of the state, rightfully so, he should have did that. You know, he said, you know, we want to shut down any we don't want people to have gatherings of more than you know x number of people well we knew thousands were going to be at our shindig and to the senator's credit we canceled that rally now Mm -hmm. he did the right thing morally politically maybe not so much but morally he did and man i was so i agreed with him morally but the other side of me was like, damn, we finally coming full, you know, the selfish side of me, the actual rise side of me, let him get frostbite. <laughs> so I was like, damn, we got to cancel this thing. in my hometown. I'm finally home. And this is what we do. Biden won because of COVID. I'm going to tell you, yes. he would not have won that primary other why? Yeah, no, just one of the things that really infuriates me as we watched him mangle it and, and handle it so badly, and and you know for for understandable reasons, he's sort of he's more answerable to to big business than he is to people's health, and people were always going to say, but Bernie has no, you know, alliances in Washington. He's got no connection. He's not going to be able to get anything done. He's not going to be able to get any legislation passed if he's elected. And I sit there and I you know so what's the point of even electing him even if we agree with all of his policies? And I sit there and I look at COVID. I go, if nothing else, imagine the last couple of years if the sitting president simply had at his base an allegiance to working and poor people instead of an allegiance to big business. If you had a president who just went out every day and was like, this is dangerous, this is bad, you don't want to be doing this, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, it's not safe, instead of one who's telling us constantly, hey, it's over, we can go do it, the difference would be night and day. And it just, it's astonishing to me that people are just sort of locked into this one inane, and, and then also like how much, how much legislation has Joe Biden managed to get through as long as you're on the subject. Right. That's right. I mean, and the type of legislation he got through, and besides Senator Bernie Sanders is known as the, as the amendment king. The amendment he king. got yeah, more exactly. amendments attached yep. to Republican bills than anybody in Congress at this particular time and then you want to talk about getting bills passed well let's analyze the type of bills that senator joe biden pushed yeah congressman joe biden pushed how about that the crime bill you know the bankruptcy bill the reason why you can't discharge student loans is because of him yep and i just he wanted to make the grand bargain even even if you as I was saying, even if you grant them their argument, give them, give them the terms of their argument, okay, fine, we'd still be better off with a president who simply was allied with us instead of that's it. corporate interest. That's, that's it. Exactly. If all he did oh, was yeah. talk. And, and you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people would be alive still. Yeah. Hundreds of that's thousands. Yes. Yes. That's right.
Hey there, it's David Sirota, host of Lever Time, the flagship podcast from the award-winning investigative news outlet, The Lever. In politics, there's a complex web of money, influence, and greed that corrupts our democracy. Lever Time is an unflinching examination of the latest news, events, and issues that often go unrecognized and unreported by corporate media. We interview a variety of guests and experts across media and politics, and we hold the powerful accountable. Some recent interviews include Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, comedian David Cross, progressive leader Nina Turner, and artificial intelligence expert Dr. Max Tegmark. So if you're looking for a true independent voice in political media, check out Levertime. Go to levertimepod.com or search Levertime on your podcast player to subscribe. So later in the same chapter, Axelrod goes on about stump speeches. And this, I just thought it was interesting because this is supposedly about campaign management. Um, he talks about how candidates get bored giving the same speech over and over. And then he points out it's new to the people listening. Uh, and, then, and then he talks about this. He tells a story. You know, things happen that cause the candidate themselves to change their or freshen up their speech. Um, uh, Obama went to rural South Carolina uh, to pay off a favor that he agreed to do. Uh, and he was grumpy and he went to this little community center or city hall to give a speech and there was some woman there who uh, before he started speaking started chanting fired up ready to go she it was responsive so she'd say fire up the crowd would go ready to go and that became sort of a a metaphor uh he told the story brilliantly it was the end of his speeches um for the whole campaign change the world thank you everybody here's my question what does that have to do with campaign management <laughs> that's a skill that your candidate ought to ought to have axelrod can't take credit for that that's just obama who you know uh, that that should be a baseline ability if you're right for office, you should be able to like bend with the moment and 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 veer from your stump speech and interact with people that has nothing to do with campaign managing and I don't know, are there any, I'm sort of trying to think back, there's no moment in this where Rove does that. He tells plenty of stories, but his stories all have a point. This is just Axelrod kind of just trying to coast on Obama's skills again. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't do that. You didn't. You had no. nothing to do with that. No. <laughs> you well, but he's to a saying, candidate who could do that. Because he didn't want to, because Obama didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. So I, Axelrod kind of pushed him to. So okay. <laughs> I don't know, it's really bad. Okay. He should get credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how how do you do that? Uh, how, I, I, were, were there moments without getting you in trouble of uh, you know revealing your ability? What, what, what do you do when your candidate just does not want to go to some place and, and you know they need to? Is that have you dealt with that? And yeah, not not just not wanting to go places, but not wanting to do certain things too, and mm-hmm. having to convince him that he needed to do it. And there were a group of us that would take different, you know, depending on what the task was, what the assignment was, we were asking the Senator to do, but it's just part of human nature because it is a grueling grind to run for president of the United States of America. Make no mistake about it. Just grueling. And you do have moments, you know, even when Rove was saying that Bush said, you know, you guys take some time off and all of that. 
I'm thinking to myself, yeah, those were the right things to do because you do have to make sure that your team has their batteries recharged because you are 24-7 when you run a campaign of that magnitude. But, yeah, there were things – like, Senator did not like to make phone calls to political people. In his Mm. mind, it's like, I'm running for the people out there in the hoods where they misunderstood, whether it's the rural hood, the urban hood, the suburban hood. I'm not running for these people. You know, basically the hell with them. Why do I got to call these people? Why do I need yeah. to kiss they behinds? Why do I need to, you know, but it's, it's part of doing the dance. And that is really what one of the things I loved about him so much because I understood what he was saying, even though it's something that you got to do. People want to be asked to the dance, yeah. you know, yeah. that's human nature. But also, conversely, the senator is saying, I'm going against the grain here. That's the problem. All of these titled folks are being asked to the dance, and the people out there in these communities are being left behind. Why do I have to make these calls? You know, so to convince him that he had to make some of the calls, you know, that's just one example. So I, I get it, though. It's like, are you on this love train or you're not on this love train? We, we pull it off the station. Get on or not, but I'm leaving you behind, and I ain't going to do a whole bunch of convincing you that Medicare for all is right, increasing the minimum right. wage is right, and you, college for all is right. I, I don't got time to convince you of this. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can I cannot imagine what that campaign must have been like. But I did. I mean, I, I won a lot of battles. I won't say I won them all, but I was particularly, you know, some of my colleagues, they would call me for the hardest assignments because they knew that nine times out of ten I could get the senator to do it. It can happen. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys were pretty good with the next thing, too, uh, social media. There's a chapter here on harnessing oh, social yeah. media. And it's fun listening to talk to that because um, it, it changes so fast and neither of them seem like they're entirely up on it. Uh, it does lead to one of my favorite moments in the entire class. You know, in addition to all the good things that social media and the Internet have brought us, there have been costs. It's added to a coarseness of our public conversation. I'm astonished at the things that people seem to be willing to say without much regret on uh, the Facebook postings of uh, public people are worse yet in their Twitter feeds. And I suspect it causes some people to say, you know what, I don't want to any part of that. I'm not going to run for office. I'm not going to participate in the public dialogue. I mean, it's just the tweets that some people send out in response to, you know, a thoughtful email. It just is shocking to me that people can be so rude and crude and uh, disrespectful. Caro, ladies and gentlemen, uh, shocked <laughs> by, the, by the coarseness Pot of... Me kettle. You know isn't it telling that he doesn't just talk because he could have said all the same thing, made the same point without being so overt. But he talks about how shocked he is at the things people say to public figures. It's not to yeah. each other. He's upset when people are talking up to power, when people are yeah. when people are saying something rude to someone who's powerful. That's where that's where his upsetment is. It's not at people just being you know brutalized by other people. It's it's people in power having things said to them by people who heretofore before this could not reach them. Yeah. And now they get, it's, it's just that thing where it's, it's manners against just horrific policy, right? It's like they can do terrible, terrible things, but if you call them a name online, Oh, Oh, that's, I, I can't even believe he's bringing it up with all the stuff he's done. 
Yeah, you got to keep the illusion amazing. going. You got to keep the illusion going. That's how you keep people sleepwalking. You know, it reminds me yeah. of the Matrix. Are we going to take the red yes. pill or the blue pill? And and there is no yeah. turning back. No, we are in the damn Matrix. Yeah. 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 And that, 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 that wall has come down. It's like, unfortunately, people can now say things to you if you're powerful and wealthy. And right. Poor, poor God. Yeah. Boy, yeah. they don't like it. Yeah. But I will say I do agree with his point about the coarseness or, or politics has always been coarse. What is yeah. different is the advent of the World Wide Web of social mm-hmm. media. We get it quick. We get it fast. It's a 24 hour news cycle. I mean, when I was growing up, TV went off. <laughs> you, know? you only had three, five and eight. And, and and so now the cycle, and so it, it permeates, it gets to us a lot quicker and also a lot deeper. But politics has always been coarse just in different ways. I mean, hell, if you invite somebody out to duel you, let's go duel. I mean, it don't get yeah. no more serious than that. Like, we're going to duel this out and somebody ain't walking yeah, they used off to this shoot field. Each other, they? Yeah, they, they, no, but, I but mean... <laughs> But social media has also not. allowed access of people from different groups to each other, forgetting the, the, the whole power dynamic. So now instead yeah. of just going, wow, I can't, I can't believe the way people who live over there think about this stuff. Now you can go talk to them and, and that's generally going to, you know, like, ah, you piece of shit. No, you piece of shit. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And that, that is a relatively new thing to this degree. And people being anonymous too. Now that I don't like. Don't yeah. hide behind, behind an avatar because some of this stuff that people are saying on social media they wouldn't ever say in your face. Now that's the stuff yeah. I, I don't like a coward. Now if you're going to say this, I want to see your real picture and who you really are. Although there's the argument too that some people are powerless and have access to you know that, that it's the only way they can speak any kind of truth to power without being crushed by that power. I, I my my emotional response to what you're saying is I'm hundred percent with you, but then there's like I don't know. There are there are examples of people using it anonymously to get information out, I guess that's I I, I get it, John. But you know, I've been beat up by people yeah. like that for the stupidest ass reasons ever. So I definitely yeah. feel what Rove was saying. Yeah. Not for the, exactly the same reasons he was saying it. Yeah. I want to engage with people. You don't always have to yeah. agree with me. I ain't never swift boated nobody either. So shit. That's I, true. You know. But yeah, people can be woo wee. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. make me wanna, you know, meet meet me at the corner of. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. you, you I mean, wanna fight me. We had a we had a relatively long time period where we had TV and radio and and people could get their message out and not be heard. But back in the day, you know, eighteen hundreds, people walked up to the White House and you know knock on the door and go, "You fucking asshole!" Like, yeah, you know, that, that's how it used to be. Like, so we kind of had this period of 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 the elites not having to hear anything. But that that's not how it's always been. Like, you used to have to hear some shit. Alexander yeah, Hamilton sure went and tried to explain the Jay Treaty, and uh, the people in New York stoned him. They picked up rocks and threw them at, at him. That, that's how they handled that business. So, uh, and I 100% support stoning Alexander Hamilton. So, yeah, so you're saying we got it easy, politicians. Yeah, up, I mean, there was, there was a nice little time period where they didn't have to hear people, and now they have to hear people again. And boy, they, people don't like it. People don't want to hear it. And it's not just, it's not just politicians. I mean, it's comedians, like watching comedians throw baby fits is just like, yeah, yeah the audience is now talking to you. Deal with it. Yeah, it's a new world. Um, yeah, and you can it's always a new ignore world. 
you can always not can. listen, but it's kind of interesting yeah. to listen sometimes. Um, uh, it's interesting you've had that because I've never once uh, heard anybody say anything bad about me or my work. Um, maybe you, just <laughs> you just did your job better, Nate. Uh, I think, though, but in this whole social media thing, it I think it's nice. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I'm, I'm, I'm completely sincere. I'm not lying at all. Uh, in this whole thing about talking about social media, I mean, again, here's the thing that Axelrod doesn't talk about, but can we can we talk about David Brock? Can we talk about that sort of like army? Of, yes. Uh, what was that called? Corrected the record? You know, talk yeah. about how to use social media, just like enlisting all these people to go out for anyone who doesn't know. And, and literally, they were just like scanning Twitter and Facebook on a daily basis for any mention of their candidate. It was Hillary Clinton. And, and then I guess they moved on to, to Kamala. And um, uh, just going after people. It was called, theoretically, you were, you were correcting the record. Uh, that's how it, it was sold. Else. It was sold that yeah. they were only going to go after Republicans because I remember mm -hmm. because I was somebody that kind of got caught up in that at first. And this is before Bro, I can't you know, imagine. never knew Senator Sanders wasn't going to get in the race or anything. But they said, oh, no, oh, we're only going to correct the record against Republicans. And mm -hmm. they did some of the most nasty things against uh, Senator Sanders. I ended up like saying, you know what, uh -uh, I'm out of here. And this is even, I didn't even... I hadn't even endorsed Senator Sanders at the time, but I just thought what they were doing was so vile. What, what record are you cor correct? I mean, that is such a beautiful, we're gonna correct the record. You think, oh my God, this is yeah. beautiful. Until yeah. you read the fine print. <laughs> yeah, it, it, just, it, it became this professional yeah. attack dogs. Um, That's right. And and I, I guess they've sort of morphed what's left of them into, into the K-Hive now on Twitter who seem to be yeah. Primarily a professional organization that. Um, oh, they are the worst. They <laughs> yeah, they them. are. We we ended them. We we, uh, <laughs> we we took them on our old show, and the next week there was an article about how they were over. So uh, we declared victory. <laughs> yeah, we you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, and then as long as we're talking about Hillary, I thought this was interesting too, because Axelrod talks about how important it is to have a consistent message. And I think this is the one time in the entire thing where I was a little surprised by him because uh, he seems to be sort of going against um, his, his masters on this one. You know, I've seen presidential campaigns that have gone through, you know, nine slogans during the course of the campaign. And what that says is you don't really know who you are. You're trying to adjust who you are to fit whatever you think the, the mood of the, the, that particular moment is or the challenge of the opponent. Uh, you know, Hillary Clinton incorporated the word change into her, one of her slogans when Obama started to make his move in 2008. And, you know, she was, yes, she was a woman, but, uh, but she also was a pillar of the Washington establishment and, and had earned that. She'd been a fine public servant. She'd been there for a long time. People didn't think of her as change. They thought of her as part of the status quo. And... So just expropriating a word, if the word doesn't really reflect who you are, if it doesn't reflect what your message, your authentic message can be, um, is not going to get you anywhere. I know that was no pretty interesting. Detected. Yeah. He's, he's speaking out against the queen, which I know uh, for a long time would get you in big trouble there. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it seems that it's okay to do now. Uh, is there still, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I, the, the Clintons aren't really those types who forgive and forget. I, don't, no, I no. assume they always yeah. kept animosity towards Axelrod and everybody else. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't think it's actually either. that big of a stretch. So you think he's yeah. just still he's still tweaked about that campaign? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think to say that. Yeah, the and I, I the, yeah, but it, it's a valid point too because she never. I mean, finally when she settled on "I'm with her," which was just the most bizarre. Uh, and, and it was weird to me to watch that take off because to me the whole thing with politics is is not it's not you the candidate it's it's us the people mm-hmm. and, right. and not making me, it about yeah and it was just a way of making it her battle and her journey and it's like God, I don't it's, it's, it's we we are all individuals as individuals in a movement expendable you know and and the, the point it's, of the movement is not you and your journey it's us and ours yeah it should have been she's with us. Like that's yeah. How did that not occur to anyone there when you're like, yeah, she's with us, and then you're like, oh yeah, okay, that's cool. Because the thing they were selling was generational uh, misogyny and the the victims of that misogyny, and so they were trying to dump all those feelings into this one person. So that's why they did it that way. And entitlement is blinding. I mean, entitlement skews your vision. And make no mistake about it, a deal was cut when President Obama won. That's why he put her in the cabinet and everything to get her mm-hmm. shored up. And after my eight years, it's all yours. But see, mm-hmm. things did not go according to plan because in came no. stage left Bernard no. Sanders <laughs> from the great state of Vermont. <laughs> You, Clint, you got to be feeling all kinds of ways. Firstly, Obama jacked you up, you know, because oh. that was supposed yeah. to be yours too. And then yeah. eight years later, you ready, and then here comes this 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 lefty from Vermont. Well, and and then she loses to Donald Trump. She lost to Donald Trump. She didn't just lose to Trump. She lost to a a black dude who has yes, a whose very middle name was Hussein. Non, yeah, Hussein. That's <laughs> <laughs> the middle name of Hussein. His name is Obama, right? She lost to that. And then she and then she almost lost to an old cranky <laughs> Jewish guy. And then she got her clock cleaned by a crazy rapist, like rich monopoly type guy. Like she that at some point you gotta oh, maybe it's me. Yeah. Exactly. At some point you gotta say the country does not want me. Period. Yeah. But but even yeah. but even forget her. It's like the the, the, the people who to this day are you know, like you know they're, they're, you know they talk of trying to run her again. It's like what is wrong with you? What is <laughs> a certain point? I don't care how much you like this quarterback. He goes out there, he falls flat on his face, and they have to drag him off the field every time. That's all he's ever done. You need to stop telling me he's the key to winning the World Series because he's not. I can prove that he's not. And I'm like, wow, this time, this time. Like, no, that's the, you, you want to risk our entire existence on your bizarre faith in this person who's never done a single thing to earn it. It's psychotic. I don't get it. Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna, it, it torments me. It really torments me. And obviously, it torments you're not the only one cause. tormented by it. Yeah, I'm tormented. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even imagine. I couldn't live in your world. My head would explode. I mean, Einstein has defined insanity already for us. He's doing the same thing over again and expecting different results. In 2016, Senator Bernard Sanders asked two people to put his name in nomination, myself and then Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. And he was told under no circumstances, under no damn, so over their dead bodies would they allow me to put his name in. Now, did I tell you guys this story? 
Oh, no. wow. And I, I've, 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 I've hit, you know, I'm kind of trying to say this, some of this stuff for the book, but, and, and, and I kept my Well, quote, we're going to be adapting that book, so you the, probably want to be. The, the, the grassroots <laughs> took over the media tent in 2016 on my behalf. Susan Sarandon was there, Danny Glover, Josh Fox. Uh, so many people were there. The nurses, the United Nurses United was there. Kendrick Sampson, a young, you know, a young actor was there. Shaylee Woodley was there. Because they got word that I was being kicked out of the, 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 the convention. Wow. And they took over the media tent. So Senator Sanders is told by Podesta over their dead bodies, will they allow me to put his name in nomination? Now, by that time, he, has, wow. he had complied. He was telling all his people, vote this way, because all that stuff is staged. I, I want people to know, look, I'm giving you a glimpse behind yep. the veil. It's a show. The convention is a show. Yeah, and even though he did yeah. everything, and I swear, I got the phone call to come up to the loge, and the senator pulled me over to the side. Uh, Congresswoman Gabbard was up there. Uh, ben Jealous of the NWA, he was up there too. The family was up there. And I swear, you know, loges are not that big, but it seemed like the senator and I were the only one in that room, and he put his hands on my shoulders. I was, I was heartbroken. Because what damage was I going to do? I had a job to do, which is just to put his name in nomination. But they knew the power of my voice and of my speech and everything. Mm -hmm. That, let me tell you something. The senator said to me, he said, they hate you. And they hate mm -hmm. you for what you stand for. And I'm just right. sobbing. Because I'm saying, how low? You already won. You already got everything that you wanted. You're going to deny this man. When the senator called me and said, you, you know, I'm, I'm think, I, would, you, would you like to put my name in nomination? I was through the, I, I am over the moon, right? This is special because I really believed yeah. in this man. This wasn't just perfunctory for me. It was an honor. Yeah. And they snatched that from me. Mm. That's how hateful and spiteful those people are on that side over their dead bodies. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm big ups to the grassroots, baby. I'm leaving out a whole bunch of names. But when I tell you they took over that media tent, on my behalf, I had hundreds of microphones in my face, and I, I did not, I stayed because it wasn't about me in that moment. I didn't tell it all then, but there's going to come a time. I mean, you guys are getting pretty much a, 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 a kind, of, kind of an exclusive here on this for me to go this deep. But it's just how dirty and vicious, and then they want to talk about, anyway, I'm going to leave it there. But, but, that's, just, but that's just vindictiveness. There's no, that's, yeah. that's the crazy thing. It's, it's insane. It Even when they got it all, it's still not enough. That still permeates yeah. all uh, everything that they do. They're they're bitter and angry at the left uh, for their own failures. That's right. That's it. And they want to humiliate, you know. And that was humiliation. Mm -hmm. You march out the mothers of the movement, which is all black women, but yet you do a black progressive freedom fighting black woman like me like that. See, it's allowed. It's allowed for them to stump all over. They pick their, they pick their, uh, the, the, the ones they're going to blame. They pick them. Uh, at Nader is a great example. Go look at everything Nader's platform was and tell me if he wasn't president, everything would be different. By not, but you can say whatever you want. By not voting for Nader, you, you, you straight to Trump. That's exactly right. Nader knew and said everything that was wrong. And all they did was blame Nader 
when gore was basically like watch watching talking wood like they always blames they always blame someone as opposed to just going here's where we blew it maybe i shouldn't have hired my daughter to be one of the campaign managers who it's had never no experience. their fault it's never, it's never their, fault. their fault it's never their fault never but what's interesting is is you know and then donald trump comes along and he also points to what is wrong and he's he's not lying about what's wrong he's lying about everything else and somehow in my sense of it is and and tell me if i'm wrong because it seems like i watched both of those primaries go by and i watched um i remember getting into an argument on twitter a while back with a journalist who was uh, i made some comment about the fact that they cleared the decks for hillary clinton he was like they did not do that oh, and then i yeah, went to an article did. he'd written in 2014 saying democrats whatever you do don't clear the deck for hillary clinton <laughs> Shut up. the uh, and then blocked me i think but but i watched trump who you know as well as i do the republican establishment hated that man they hated that guy as much as democrats hated, mm-hmm. hated bernie sanders but it seems to me, and the most simple, and I'm boiling this down to incredible simplicity, but it seems that the Republicans at the end of the day, I don't know if they respect them, but they at least fear their base. And they were not going to interfere in that process, even though Trump was just eating all of their chosen candidates alive and spitting out the bones. And then went over to the Democrats, and the Democrats are going, yeah, no, we've, we've got this. You don't have to get involved, you little pinheaded freaks. We've chosen for you. And at the end of the day, it's like, how, how, how weird would it have been if the candidate who was not chosen by the people had beaten the candidate who was? You know, of course Trump had that edge because, you know, and, and they get all caught up in how awful it is. It's like, and I almost feel like I have to say again, you have to genuflect in front of that flag. Yes, Trump is fucking terrible. Yes, that's not the point. It, it, it's, they chose him. The people in the party chose him. And then that's he cleaned right. her clock. And, and why can't they learn from that? Well, obviously, they can't because the only way for them to do the same thing is to let the people choose their candidates and then they're all out of jobs. Right, that would Answer my own happen. questions. We're here with Senator Nina well, Turner who doesn't need to be here because I, I, mean, <laughs> I keep saying all this. God damn it. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, they, I don't think the Republicans fear their base. I think they understand the power of their base. And they know that their base can carry them to victory. And the Democrats think the opposite. The Democrats think their base is what keeps them mm. from victory. And the other problem is a big tent is a problem because you have socialists and horrific capitalists in that tent. And right now the horrific capitalists are beating up the uh, socialists in the tent. Yeah. That's what your party is. That's not a party. That's an internal endless conflict that will never breed success. And to add yeah. to that, I mean, when you are putting up a facade, I mean, let's be real, the corporatist wings of both parties control everything. And so the Dem- the Republicans have just given up everything. putting on the facade and the Democrats are still putting up the facade. And so when you are double-minded like that, when you got to try to be in service of two masters, it is a problem for you. And hell, maybe they're not even serving two masters. They're only serving one. But the, it's the facade that right. continuously uh, keeps them going. You know, it's just kind of hard for me to, mm-hmm. des- to, to describe it. But it, it's madness. It's disingenuous. You know, at least with Trump, he is a liar. He is a neo-fascist. He was a faux populist. 
but he did tell the truth. And I, I think we talked about this in an earlier episode when yeah. when yeah. Dave Chappelle did that monologue a couple of weeks yeah. ago on, on Saturday Night Live. He was right. Trump came out yeah. and said, hey, this is everything that's going on inside. I'm yeah. going back, though. But this, yeah, this is going what's back. going down. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 pierced the veil in ways that nobody has done in a very long time, and for him to be in that world as a businessman, I'm putting up air quotes. I mean, he really is a yeah. businessman, but he, oh lord. Anyway, businessman in air quotes. But he was right when he said, "I bought and sold most of these people. They came yep. to my office. They asked mm -hmm. me for money. Democrats came and Republicans. He's like hell. Yeah. They for sale. I should know. I bought. Yeah. I purchased many of them. I rented them. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah, and he could say that about about the Clintons as well. When he exactly, it was like, here they are, my wedding. Everybody, I mean, he knew that. Yep. Um, I want to ask a really dumb question uh, next, and then we got a, a, a big, a big, a big fun one to probably go out on. But um, I want I want to play this clip, and then I want to ask probably the dumbest question I've ever asked anybody. I remember on primary night, uh, we won this improbable, exhilarating victory where we thought. If we could get 38% of the vote, we'd win in the seven-person field. And he got 53% of the vote and won all these areas that people thought an African-American could never win. And there were 2,000 people in the hall that night. And I remember him leading them in chants of, yes, we can. And um, it was a really beautiful moment. I mean, that, that was an amazing time. I mean, it, it really was. I, 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 who am I telling? I mean, but I remember talking to people. Uh, who during Hillary would go, you know, well, it's 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 the sexism. They're not gonna. It's the sexism that's up, you know, and then that's why she lost and this and that and the other thing. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I get it. I am a straight white man. I live outside the receiving end of bigotry. I I do want to point out that probably Dave and I could write a book about bigotry that would tell a lot of folks on the receiving end of it things they do not know. We understand how to give it. Never been on the receiving end of it. So this is to some extent, I guess, in that sense, academic to me. But I'm sitting there and I'm getting people like, well, they're not going to, they're never going to elect a woman. And first of all, I'm going, well, then you should probably never nominate another woman if you're going to follow that logic, which seems mm. insane to me. But second of all, I'm like, but Obama won. We elected a black man. And, and I actually had people say to me, and I don't know the answer. And I don't know if there is an answer. And maybe it's obvious and maybe it's not. But they go like, well, sexism is far worse than racism in this country. And I'm like, I, I can't even begin to respond to that. Is that a, and we have Senator Nina Turner here. She's a woman. She's black. <laughs> Do you have a theory on this? Are we, I, is, I it, is it the dumbest question ever? <laughs> no, I mean, it's not the dumbest is it question. Even... And I don't agree. I, I And sexism is not worse than being black. Now, some people may feel that way. I personally do not uh, feel that way. Blackness, you know, I'm black first and I'm a woman second. And there are a lot of people who understand that. Do black women, we get it quadrupled because mm -hmm. we're black and we are women. But to say that sexism is worse than race. Um, let me just break down the history of this country for you. Going back to 1619, shall we? I mean, before we were, you know, a nation. So, no, it's not worse. Are there some similarities? Do people catch hell because of their gender? Absolutely. I would never argue that. But to say that she did not get elected because of sexism, 
That's yeah. a bunch of BS. You know, Bill Burr did a stand-up on SNL uh, a few yes. months ago where he talked about the 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 Me Too movement was was the the foundation of it. And I think everybody should watch this because this is very germane to what you just asked me, Josh. And he said how white women were able to co-opt the movement. He said, you know, you stuck your Gucci boots over the over the line. You better sit here and take your talking to next to the white man. Yes. Because you done watched us and, and took part, I'm paraphrasing him, of all manner. You done benefited from all manner of evil. And now all of a sudden, you the victim. That's how I feel about that question that you just asked me. Not disregarding sexism in all its forms and that all women endure it. However, white women, sit on down next to the white man and take this talking to. Give me a break. Yeah, I mean... It just, She's it one of the most privileged so... women in the world. Do you understand yeah. me? In the yeah. world. I didn't say the country, in the world. It just, and it just always blew my mind because mm -hmm. they, they were saying this after Obama. And to, to me, it was not, of course, not at all that they're the same thing. But you're like, we have just proven that this country can come together behind a black man. That would seem to me to indicate that we can get past a lot of other stuff, too. And they're like, well, it, it was just, look, woman, it, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Like, what did I it say? Sometimes that, you are the woman. beneficiary of time and, and sometimes you're the victim of it. The country did yeah. not want you. Yeah. Because if somebody, yeah. the type of money, all of the major media, I mean, what else do you, she had everything at her disposal, notwithstanding hurdles, I get it, or some, some things she had to surmount. But if you want to be a position, who was in a better position you know, dealing with things that we got to check off money, moneyed interests, uh, her her years of being elected, her years of serving as the first lady in both the White House and also uh, first lady of Arkansas. I mean, she had it all. Lady, really? Mm -hmm. And you got a black man named Barack Hussein Obama. You couldn't beat him. Then you got you got yeah. you got, <laughs> uh, you know, tossed around a bit in the primary of 2016. Y'all thought it was just going to be a a uh, coronation, right? That's what they wanted, and that didn't happen. No. Yeah, woman, if they can, if you can't win with all that going for you, it's you. Look in the mirror, it's you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I want to go on this one because I think this one is going to. Uh, I, I I warned the senator Dave when uh, uh, we we sent her this chapter. I was like, you're, you sit down, your head might explode. <laughs> I'm going to let Axelrod introduce this. This is the section called Supporting Your Candidate, and he's going to bring up an interesting problem. So what do you do when you have a candidate who doesn't present well, who doesn't do well reading a script, or doesn't even speak particularly well, and you want to tell their story? Seems like a good question, I would say. That is something that if I were going to go into this line of work, I have noticed some politicians do have certain problems. By the way, interesting watching the John Fetterman campaign this past uh, couple of months oh, where they yeah. managed to... Yeah, kick some major ass. Again, go to the point of, you know, sometimes the message is the most important thing. Uh, but he brings up um, a great example of this uh, that a friend of his um, went through recently, a really good friend of his. Um, strap in, folks. Sometimes uh, in order to get a hearing, you need to concede what, what people don't like about you. My friend Rahm Emanuel, the mayor of Chicago, faced that problem when he ran for re-election in 2015. Very accomplished as a mayor, very, um, uh, very hard-charging guy, um, but hard not charging. warm and cuddly. And people sensed that. And in order to get a hearing for all the good things that he had done, 
He had to acknowledge people's attitudes about him. He had to acknowledge his shortcomings uh, and did an ad in which he did just that. We should, we should take a commercial break here where we just pound our heads against a wall for five minutes before coming back. <clears throat> Hard-charging guy, that Rahm Emanuel. Um, I mean, I wanted to jump through the video, to be honest. Fuck. If he was in the room with me, I'd probably jump across the table. It's one thing to not be forming what, uh, for, uh, warm and fuzzy. It's another thing to be a callous, prick, heartless, soulless human being who had should have never been the mayor of any city, less known the city of Chicago. This man covered up the Laquan McDonald murder so his ass could be re-elected. This is what this man did. This is what we dealing with. You want to talk about monsters, he's up there in that category. He closed all manner of schools mm -hmm. in the black community. He ruled with an iron fist. And this man with a straight face having hindsight wants to say yeah. that he had accomplished yeah. a lot. And then people like the Clintons and others and even President Barack Obama still standing behind this man after they found out what he did. And then he gets rewarded with a freaking ambassadorship to Japan, for God's sakes. People beat back that, you know, that appointment at first. Like, he didn't get it at first. But no, what do they do? They go into their rooms with the highfalutin people to figure out how they're going to get it done anyway. And then to talk about you, how much you love the black community, that was a slap in the face to the black community for this man to get an ambassadorship. And Biden did not give a damn, and neither did any of those people, because it is about rewarding even people like him, no matter what. And what's amazing is the 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 he's talking about the election in which that was an actual factor. Yeah. That 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 that, yeah. that McDonald was was killed in 2014, uh, right. and and this is Rahm Emanuel because running. Because people like Laquan McDonald, Josh, I'm sorry, and they. They're expendable because you know what, black community, you're going to march like little soldiers and vote over 90% of the time for the damn Democrat anyway. They know this. They understand this. So we want to talk about the Republicans who have no chill when it comes to race. they like, hey, y'all don't want to roll with us? We're going to roll with some other folks. We ain't even going to try to court y'all no more. But the Democrats, this is the version of when President Biden said, or he was candidate Biden at the time, but he said to Charlemagne the God, if you can't figure out whether you for me or for Trump, you ain't black. This was the same thing in 2015. Because they don't give a damn about the Laquan McDonald's of the world. And Axelrod knows this. He's talking in retrospect about this election. Here's, let me play the, the ROM ad that he, that he cites here. He plays this. They say your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness. I'm living proof of that. I can rub people the wrong way, or talk when I should listen. I own that. But I'm driven to make a difference. When politics stood in the way of a full day kindergarten or tougher gun laws, I charged ahead. And when business interests said a $13 minimum wage was too high, I didn't back down. Look, I'm not gonna always get it right. But when it comes to fighting for Chicago and Chicago's future, no one's gonna fight harder. He, he meant to say white Chicago, didn't yeah. he? I mean, he, I mean, is, it, he is at the yeah. point that they're recording this. He has been covering up the murder of a black teenager by the Chicago Gun police. down in the streets. 
And then he gets to co-op a few black folks. Shame on the black community too. Really. And it's, it's, it, it is an amazing thing too. We noticed this in LA and I think we talked a little bit about it uh, a couple of episodes ago, but you know, when Nuri Martinez, who was the president of the city council came out in that recording of just the most appallingly, just egregiously so far over the line, there's no way to interpret this stuff. You yeah. can't do any, it's just like, you know, and not only horribly racist, but also talking about brutalizing a two-year-old black child as Called a the joke. boy a monkey. And said you wanted to take him out back and smack him around or something. I mean, our, our now, and terrible thing to say, but thankfully mayor, Karen Bass, uh, when she was running, uh, Martinez was one of her political allies. And it just seems to me, and this is what I don't get, because it's, on the one hand, it's a cutthroat business. On the other hand, here, here you are, and here's here's Axelrod and all these other people. You're in a position where someone you're allied with has gone so far over the line, there's no coming back. That is the moment in time, you know, and it's one thing to have someone who's a friend and, and so far to deal with that socially or whatever, but it's like in, in the public eye, you know, D D Dave goes out and, and is found eating babies. You know, I, I'm not going to wait for somebody to say, you know, you should probably drop him from the show and disassociate with him. I'm going to be like, that motherfucker, I had no idea he was eating babies. I'm done with him. But but that, that's but these people won't do that. They won't because they're waiting to see. So, so, you know, Bass's first step was to go, oh, well, this is bad. There will be consequences. And finally, when people are like, that's bullshit, you have to get rid of her, like finally was willing to say she should step down. But nothing like that's happened with, with Rom, really. He's paid no... Mm -hmm. cost for this and theoretically are we what there's this blm movement there's all this talk we had nancy pelosi and all those other people in their kenty cloth kneeling down which i thought i don't know i don't follow the news that much i thought had something to do with with police murders of of black people how the hell are you still going to stand by this guy yeah I don't, I, I, that's the part i don't get it's just they're just telling us none of this means anything oh and let's let's not Let's not also let's not leave out the contrasting of how they treated Nina at the convention. Like that's really what this party is. This is the heart of who these people are. There's there, it's very disturbing. The Rahm Emanuel story is crazy, disturbing, upsetting. He should not be part of the party, but there's tons of guys in the party like this. They just get to be monsters. Yeah, they do. And, and that's fine. They are monsters, and I'm not saying ours isn't the three of us, but that's how the Democratic Party would see it. They are monsters, so it's okay. Had a Republican covered up a yeah. murder of a black teenager, all hell would break loose, as rightfully it should. Yeah. So if it's as wrong it should, for a yeah, Republican, exactly. damn it, it's wrong for a Democrat. Yep. And for yep. the president of these United States of America, after. That win was delivered for him. It was delivered in Georgia for Reverend Warnock and, and Mr. Osshoff to still push to get this man an ambassadorship. It tells us all we need to know. When you in the club, yeah, baby, you in right? the club. And if you're not in the club, everybody else is expendable. And that's what makes this so rotten to the yeah. core. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I, I'm also I'm reminded of the Epstein thing too, where it was just you know we just kept looking the other way, and it was it was yeah. so odd to me that people were happy to I was you know, paint Trump with that brush, um, as you should. But it it really was remarkable to me. David and I commented at the time. I remember having a conversation with a friend of ours. 
Hillary fanatic, and it was just like, forget what you think about these people. The fact is, Democrats have somehow found one of the few women on the planet who cannot go on national TV and call Donald Trump out for being friends with Epstein. Like, how did they do that? <laughs> you know, we just... we. Well, it was just, it was the same way where they, they could not bring up how many people Trump had raped during the election because yeah. the candidate was married to a guy who was accused of multiple rapes and sexual assaults and clearly inappropriate behavior in the White House. Like, that, like you have to take that off the table because you're also awful. Even though I yeah. will say, Dave, I don't think that that should have been her burden to bear because it was not her. But you're right, it was off the table politically, but I got to push back on that a little bit because it wasn't her sins, it was his. But she... I, it's not It's not her sins, but, you know... No, I... I we can go into how she treated oh, yeah. Monica no, Lewinsky no, no. and all that I, stuff. I totally like, get that. No, absolutely. Uh, she's not innocent. No, she's um, not. I mean, she benefited from her faith-based advisor yeah. who she kept she on benefited from it, the, clearly, and how yeah. Monica was treated, not just by them, but by society, too. I mean, she's the victim, but then she has to go mm -hmm. underground. Jesus yeah. Christ! No. What's yeah. Since, so no. I'm not letting. I'm just. Yeah. I'm just putting putting it out there now. You know, for her to bear. The yeah, total. and I, I think. I mean, I I go back and forth on that, but it didn't. Yeah. It, it, I do it too. Even, saying, it's like we get we get caught in it, and it's like it's not even the point. It's like really the point is regardless of how you perceive it, right. she can't go on stage and talk about that stuff. Yeah, it is no. removed. It is a weapon that she doesn't have in Look, her arsenal that you should have because it could have been kryptonite, but. At, at the end of the day, if you're voting for Hillary, you are still voting to put a sexual predator back in the White House unless he's going to live somewhere else. Like, that's the reality of the situation. Unless he's going to live in a, a side shed, that's what you're doing. A side shed. Okay. The side shed. For the, for the first time. <laughs> uh, God. Uh, anyway, so they then sum up this this section. No candidate loves to confront their liabilities, their weaknesses. No candidate likes to concede what their their shortcomings. It's the job of a strategist to be honest with a candidate and tell them what they need to know and not just what they want to hear. And even if that includes hard truths. I mean, that, that seems true. And I also, again, not to just keep harping on this endlessly, I do feel like the, the, the great thing, again, about Bernie Sanders is that, you know, whatever his limitations, his limitations were his strengths, you know? Yeah, no doubt she, about she's, it. She's not yeah. in agreement. It's like, oh, no, no, this candidate no doubt just about keeps, about saying the same, keeps saying the same thing over and over again. And, and it doesn't give a shit about, you but, know, <laughs> sucking up to power. What are we going to do? <laughs> also, he's, you know, his big candidate is... Obama, and as much yeah. as I'm one of the few who was concerned about Obama, you know, when he was elected, um, what were his faults? Like, that dude was, like, it's like you made him in a factory of how to be an amazing candidate. He, just looking at him, he didn't, whatever he's talking about here, Obama didn't have really it he he had uh, positives coming out of everywhere. He was like I can think of one. If you ask me, like what are they? I can what is it that Obama had in two thousand eight? 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not something you can tell. That's not something you can say to Obama. Hey, you got to yeah. change this. You know what I mean? That's what he's talking about. I mean, uh, did I ever say there's my favorite, so, uh, yeah. my favorite, 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 favorite Obama conspiracy theory from from the from the right, and I haven't heard it in years, and it was so good. Was that Russians um, had decided that, uh, and this predates Trump, um, his candidacy, that they were going the way to take on America was to create basically in a lab, you know, and raise this child uh, to to give birth to and raise a child who would be an absolutely irresistible candidate uh, for president, who could then win the office of presidency and then proceed to dismantle the country. And that Barack Obama, the Republicans were telling us, was this person. That the Russians in 1960, what is it, one, were so prescient that their idea of a perfect presidential candidate for America was going to be a black man. Like named Barack, named Barack Obama. Obama. It's like I can my, see my, a problem my. with you. Yeah, <laughs> but I also think what the Russians great, are very what smart. Great if it were true, the Russians had more faith in us as a culture <laughs> than we probably deserved at that time. Wait, shouldn't Karl Rove have been making that point? Because uh, George Bush was just a a cavalcade of flaws. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, he's he's the guy who really had to overcome just a bunch of garbage. Yeah, yeah no, it's true. It is true. Uh, they have one tiny little thing that I just want to talk about real quick, and then we'll then we'll get out of here this week. But um, uh, they talk about some tech. Let's say that you have a campaign event. You've got a big county Republican uh, convention, and it's being held at a local high school auditorium, and there are going to be a thousand people there. You can literally set it up so that anybody who has a, a, a company called Funware does this. Anybody who has one of these apps that is being 500 or 600 apps that are being used by consumer companies and major organizations like uh, the World Wrestling Federation and the NBA and the NFL, if you've got an app that's part of that, you can literally pay them to do an ad that pops up to anybody who has that app who walks across a line around that convention around that convention hall. So literally around that block around that high school. Uh, the, 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 so that uh, the, a friend of mine who's on the Texas Railroad Commission did this at the Texas Federation of Republican Women, had like 14,000, 12,000 delegates at the convention. She spent two grand and every woman who walked across that line had something pop up on her phone saying, come to the Christie Craddock uh, reception and here's what room it's in. And if you'd like to volunteer, just text, you know, one, two, one, two, one, two, uh, in reply to this. Um, that's terrifying. Am I wrong? <laughs> that is absolutely horrifying. Did, did you guys, I, I don't want to know about this. that. Is that, was that news to you or, uh, that, that, why this, this, yes, this is all, I, I hear that. And I'm like, why would you do that? Nobody wants that. Nobody wants your text. Stop texting me. Nobody wants this stuff. You're, you're intruding well, no, on but, my but life But the notion that the text would say, hey, as you're walking into the place that you're walking into right now, we'd love it. That's, that's not just an intrusion. No. I'm running from that building as fast as I can. That is absolutely terrifying. Who's looking at their phone going, hey, wow, my phone knows exactly where I am. That's so I think people do because first of all, it's if really you're creepy. at that event, I mean, you, you're a believer for the most part, unless you're in their spine. Um, this technology and how the government is going to regulate or not regulate 
this data mining, I mean, they got us. This is Orwell. This is 1984 turbo style. And it should, we should be afraid. We should be very afraid. I mean, every time we look up something with this computer that we carry around and call a, a phone, they know what you like, what you shop, what you read, what you oh, eat. For sure, what yeah. you, I mean, everything. And so now they're taking that same concept and it's in the political space. It just seems at a certain point. It, it's one thing to know that. It's another to actually, you know, exploit it so oh, over. Oh, no, like no. That, it must that. be exploited. Josh, what's wrong with you? It must be. No, but in a way that alerts people to the fact that it's being exploited. Oh, yeah. No, you know I'm being, I'm trying to be sarcastic. Yeah, no, I know. But I'm like, at a certain yeah. point, you're like, we notice that you have dandruff because you used dandruff shampoo in the shower last night. And I'm like, ah, you know, it's I'm not that. buying your product. It's creepy. No doubt. Uh, but we're being programmed. It though. is People creepy. I don't. Being, I mean, we're being rewired right now. You think about generations of children who are just being born. You think about Z and younger. This is going to be their whole reality. At least we we know we have a consciousness level about this. This ain't the way it's supposed to be. Z and the new new jacks that's coming behind Z. This is going to be how they were born into the world. That's dangerous. Oh, that is. I have That's a five month scary old. Part. Um, I have a five month old, and I think about this stuff all the time. And I don't even understand the world that he's coming into, even though I live it in. And but it's just, you know, we try to keep screens away from him. But yeah. Just, I, it's it's yeah. Yeah, but the whole keeping, yeah. I mean, it's they're going to know every single thing about these generations. I mean, imagine how much information they have on them when they hit mm -hmm. 20, you know? Yeah. Or voting age. And they, they've got so much. So, yeah, it's creepy. That stuff's all very creepy. And there's zero regulation. Absolutely none. Nothing happening. No one seems to care. Because it's advantageous for them because of the, the politics. So they're going to let it happen even though it's really not what anybody wants. Uh, I hate to let Dave take us out, uh, Senator Turner. Could you could you could yeah, you, you say something that makes that. me not want to kill myself not... before we go home? <laughs> I know you can do it. I can't. That you got to leave <laughs> it to me. I know, that. man. Like, we got Nina Turner here. Please send me home with some hope, please. Oh, so come back next week. Let me see. What can I? What kind of She's hope can I uh, impart? <laughs> <laughs> You oh know God. what? I was thinking about Dr. Mae Jemison the other day and actually used this quote at the end of, of my show. She's rarely, you know, she's not talked about as much. Uh, people may know she's first black woman, a NASA astronaut, went into space. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's why I knew the name. Mae okay. Jemison, yep. very motivated by the fictional character, character of Nichelle Nichols on the one and only Star Trek. Uh, yes. You know, very passionate mm -hmm. interracial kiss between her and Captain Kirk. Uh, definitely go back and Google that scene, and she was. Fierce. Oh, but but notice it was it was against his will. They were it was it was possessed. against. Of course, That's it was the only way to get it on it was TV. The only in way to get, you know, and that yeah, <coughs> yes. they had to get it in, but they were cutting edge now. They were. That's right. And uh, she's recently passed away, but talking about not, I mean, Nichelle Nichols has, but Dr. Mae Jemison, yeah. you know, she once said, don't let anyone rob you of your imagination, your creativity, or your curiosity. It's your place in the world. It's your life. Go on and do all you can with it and make the life you want to live. And in many ways, we're talking about this stuff and getting deep and down and mired in uh, the political banter, and not even political banter, the fact that people 
of the caliber of a rove, and excuse me for using the word caliber, and an axelrod are all up in the stratosphere of this thing and the everyday people are being left behind. But we want you to know that this politics, even though it plays a, a, port, a, a role in our lives, that each individual has within them, they have this gift, they have this synergy. And if they're willing, if we are all willing to put a little extra on our ordinary, extraordinary things can happen. And I think that is the heart of Dr. Mae Jemison's uh, message here. Is don't let anybody rob you of your imagination. You don't have to have a special or fancy title to have imagination and to believe that the world can be better than what it is and to believe that you have a part in making the world a better place, starting with yourself. So never lose your imagination. Man, that sounds like me talking, baby. <laughs> it's just like you, Dave. Just like you. Um, my new, my new co-host, Senator Dina Turner, and I will be back next week with a... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we will be back next week. God, we've got some more of this to slog through and some more surprises and, mm. and, and shocks and explosions of rage and humor. Ugh. And then we'll be done. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Baby, I know you got your thing for campaign strategies. You dig it? And I do too And I know your head is full of questions But I got friends Who can give all the answers to you Oh yeah We got Kyle Rowe DC's king of folk We got David Axelrod With the junk all in his trunk the free on mine, the guarantee. And now they ask in return is a nominal fee. Cause it's a great big club, and you ain't in it. You're trying to play the game, but you can't win it. Yeah, it's a great big club. You ain't in it. You can leave the race, but the don't when you win it, you win it, you win it. Canada. We want to thank our incredible 
support team. Uh, Brian Ciano, our free floating agent of chaos, AKA research guy. And also Colin McCoy, who does all of our music. You can also find him. He out there in music world. He is known as diesel boots. 